This is The After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. It's The After Party. It's the party that comes after. <laughs> yes, it is. Hi, everybody. You? Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. You know, I had confusion Happy uh, about, whether, about whether or not we were doing a show today because we were not going to do like national holidays, federal holidays. Right. Um, but we never talked about it. And because I was so used to always working in radio that I never keep mental track of holidays. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. MLK. And then I, I text, yeah. I text Kim. I'm like, are we doing a show? I'm like, well, is Mark doing a show? Is Kim doing a show? Nikki or, doing, is yeah. Nikki doing a show? It's, and he oh, said, yes. So I'm like, okay, we'll do yeah. a show. It's we, hard because the news never stops. So for me, I, I usually never have a day off. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because you're doing three shows. Yeah. Well, I mean, even back at KGO, which is yeah. like always. So, yeah, no, we're here. And I think we mentioned that it is Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. And so I hope that you have the day off and that you're observing that. Um, right. We have some fun things to talk about as well, though. So I'm glad to be here with everybody doing the show. I thought it was weird that Iowa scheduled the caucuses to be during on MLK, like on a national holiday. I thought that was a little strange. I don't know whether they did it on purpose or not. Do they I mean, not recognize MLK Day in Iowa? Or maybe they were like, hey, everybody has the day off. It's going to be a great day for people to get together and talk about politics. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was strange because we never vote on a on a federal holiday. But anyway, no. I guess everybody has a day off. So, Yeah. Um, John at theafterparty.live. That's your email address. Kim yeah. at theafterparty.live. It's my email address. Comments at theafterparty.live. <laughs> Does that go nowhere? It goes into the ether. It goes to me. Oh, does it? Oh, no, no, no. Um, um, And then if you could click the like button, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, That is easy and free. Click that like. Not to sound desperate, but please like us. Click the subscribe as well if you can. Wow. Flow. For $5, finally became a monthly subscriber as of today. I love the after party. Thank you both. Happy MLK holiday. Happy MLK holiday to you too, Flo. Thank you, Flo. Thank you for supporting the show. The PayPal information if you are looking for it is yeah. at the bottom of the show description every day you can find that and we appreciate that that's uh, yeah. you're overflowing with your generosity you absolutely are thank you and Flo. we'll acknowledge your uh, new contribution at the that's bottom of the hour with everyone else thank you Flo. Lori says no it, she thinks the uh the caucus date oh. oops that's the wrong one Sorry. she thinks the caucus date is older than mlk day and they probably declined to change the date yeah that sounds about right my friends from iowa so i hear a lot of stories yeah, not a lot of uh, progressive ideas no. in that region. Um, Michael says John seems disoriented. Federal holiday? Why am I at work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he has the right. That's the right mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's one of those holidays. Like we just came out of a holiday, so it's like mm-hmm. I'm not mentally prepared to take a break. Let's talk about this are. emu emu that escaped from an alabama home Limu? for the third time we might have talked about this guy on his second escape attempt is it the same this is actually this is a girl emu a woman i don't think we've her name is esmeralda. esmeralda look at her she's gorgeous esmeralda the emu escaped from her alabama home for the third time she was spotted running loose around town before she came back on her own she just wanted to take a little spin around town The city of Calera saying in a Facebook post, Esmeralda reportedly had a domestic dispute involving her sister, resulting in Esmeralda making a swift exit from her owner's Jemison home. The uh, owner of the emu and the sister emu, Ursula, uh, 
said Esmeralda is the friendlier bird of the pair, but she's also the more adventurous. Esmeralda previously escaped a few years ago and became a local celebrity when she escaped for the second time in December. I thought it was recent. She said, I get a lot of comments because now she's very well known from December. So of course, right away, people say not again, Esmeralda. Esmeralda's latest escape proved short-lived. She returned home on her own later in the day reconciling the differences with her sister after reflecting on her actions while she was on the run she decided that she should remain with her sister and the flock together so there you go the owner does say that she and her animals are moving to a more spacious property and so they think maybe it'll be more secure and that she won't be able to get out so we'll see how it goes oh esmeralda maybe she'll escape and sell car insurance <laughs> It's a possibility. This next story is dear to my heart because our our friend Karen Reed, who was a um, an engineer at KGO, used right. to call me my, her pet name for me as her little meerkat because oh. if I didn't know what came next on the broadcast or I didn't you know what of... to do next, my head would pop okay. up and I would kind of look around like, uh oh, what next? Right. So she would see me behind the glass and call me her meerkat. Yeah. Well, we want to thank Cindy for $5. Love the after party, especially the fun animal videos. Yay. Thank you, Cindy. Sourcing awesome. them. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, this is a meerkat. And officials with a petting zoo in England are warning the public about a meerkat on the loose. Reddish uh -oh. Vale Farm in Stockport near Manchester said the male meerkat escaped overnight and is believed to be wandering somewhere in the Reddish Va uh, Vale country. Um. The farm said in a Facebook post that although meerkats are very friendly, they can bite if feel threatened. I'm kind of like that, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jordan Beckwith, the farm's manager, said the meerkat escaped through a drain hole during maintenance work. Sounds like a oh. like a like an like he had a plan, right? <laughs> uh, this is a caper. Just wait on uh, the hatch. Yeah, <laughs> we've been looking. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. We've been looking <laughs> for him in the burrows and we've been, uh, we've had the meerkat barking sound on and put out uh, food to try to entice him back. Oh, they have the meerkat barking sound. He uh, said the Africa native animal, just trying to go home, one of three males living at the farm might be on the hunt for a mate. They are big herd animals and they like to have big groups and colonies and there are usually three minimum. So yeah, if you're over in England uh, near Manchester... <laughs> <laughs> in the next couple days, uh, look out for a meerkat. This is like a trio of missing animal stories because now we have these animal rescuers in Britain also oh, trying yeah. to find the owner of a very talkative parrot that was found walking down the street. This male cockatiel found to have an extensive vocabulary and a very impressive repertoire of songs after being rescued near a bench near Bolton, England. Yes, he sings, if you're happy and you know it, he sings, and he waits for you to clap. <laughs> he sings a few other songs, too. Um, they call him Peekaboo, and they placed him in a foster home. They say he's very tame. He's a delightful character who's been well looked after and loved by someone who must have spent a lot of time on him. Uh, this organization is trying to find Peekaboo's owner aw, so he can be returned home. Once he settled in with one of their regular fosters, he was singing happily. His voice sounds like he's mimicking an older woman. Um, oh, hello, Kim. 
They say it's such a shame that she's in this situation. If he's escaped accidentally, then whoever owns him will surely be heartbroken that he's missing. So such he's in foster, but they're trying to get him back to his rightful space. I'm just an elderly lady. <laughs> I'm lost. Help me get home. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your talons. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this competition because I don't know if I would win this or not. My lawn's not that bad. I don't water it though, and somehow oh, you it, did hesitate. It maintains yeah. some greenness. It has some some bald spots. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty lush. Like my parents never watered the. No. it's like semi lawn. It's like landscape, but then yeah. there's a part that's kind of like a. It's kind of like a built-in driveway, like a sec secondary driveway. The, right. The, my dad like landscaped the the, the front of the, the the property, so it's like higher on elevation on one side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's green most of the year, um, or ish. Uh, but we don't want to water lawns, right? It's not good for the environment. No, no. No. An Australian woman's bandicoot ravaged yard was dubbed the winner of the first <laughs> ever world's ugliest lawn competition. What the hell is a bandicoot? Uh, I think those are the plants. We're, oh. You see that, right? Okay. Bandicoot. No. I should have asked an my animal. Australian. It's a marsupial. Oh, yeah. It's a marsupial. My bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, they are found throughout Australia and can be seen in the coastal areas of New South Wales. They live on a variety of habitats with rain from rainforest to wet and dry woodlands to heath. Um, yeah. I should have asked my Australian uh, cousins who were visiting. Uh, they were visiting the, this weekend. Over the weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about all the things that can kill you in Australia. Um, yeah, so she's, uh, she's from Tasmania, mm -hmm. so she's on the island of Tasma Tasmania. Uh, she was named the winner of the contest, which was organized by the town of Gotland, Sweden. Oh, interesting. Gotland started the contest two years ago to encourage locals to conserve water amid a near disastrous drought in town. And this year it went global with lawns in the U.S., Canada, Britain, Germany, France, and Croatia competing for the unesthetic honors. Murray's lawn features sparse patches of yellow grass, shriveled plants, and dry divots. Can you Google that, Divots? D-I-V-O-T? Yeah, Divots. that means like a chunk taken out. Oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. John's trying too hard. The bandicoots <laughs> love digging. That's how you get the divots. I was thinking it was a plant. No. Um, that's how they find their favorite food. Now back. Uh, now my backyard looks like a real-life hungry, hungry hippo game. I also have an uh, achida, achidna. You know those, right? Achidna? Echidna. E-C-H, echidna. Mm-hmm. I'm just failing left and right. <laughs> that helps and some chooks. Do you know what a chook is? No, I don't. You got me there. Okay. Google it, please. Murray was awarded uh, with a pre-owned t-shirt bearing the phrase proud owner of the world's ugliest lawn. Pre-owned t-shirt. Were they passing it around? I used to think I the bandicoots were wildlife of mass destruction invading my lawn, but now I see they've actually liberated me from ever having to mow it again. She said, I'm all for guilt-free weekends, especially with uh, my ex-husband left with the lawnmower back in 2016. <laughs> Gotland, which nearly ran out of water during the summer three years ago, said the competition and other measures taken by the town have reduced water consumption by 5%. Oh, I would have thought it was more than that. Pretty good. All right. That's yeah, a start. It is a pretty ugly lawn. Well, we congratulations to her. Did we figure out what a chook is? A chook is actually a chicken. Ah. Mm-hmm. And just in case you wondered, here's what a bandicoot looks like. Ah, bandicoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, ye old bandicoot. Yeah. Very and cute. then again, this is the chook. The chook. chook. And, and echidna is also 
it belongs to a family of the family of mammals. It's known as a spiny anteater. That story was just chock-a-block. Yeah, sure was. Animals references. Yes, chock-a-block. Very nice. Well, this next, this next story mm. is taking the internet by storm. I still don't exactly understand it, but they have this new internet sensation that it's called the rat hole. You can see it looks like a rat here, right? Yeah. The, the jury's still out. Some people think it's a squirrel. Some people think it's a rat that just laid there too long and kind of melted into the pavement. <laughs> Look at a mice mouse running through the rat hole. Yeah, this is in Chicago in the Roscoe Village neighborhood, right on the sidewalk on Roscoe Street. You know, um, absolutely. And it's it's right in front of a blonde brick three flat building. So there's even lawmakers there are telling tourists come see the rat hole and it's become this weird internet sensation where people see it and then they want to go come see it in life real life so it's like this tourist spot now lots of if you go there you'll find people standing around this hole all the time oodles of tourists they say they're um, bored out there in the I, maybe there's not much to see except for the Chicago rat hole. What they say is it's actually not new. Many neighbors are quoted in published reports to say it's been there for several years. They think it's the imprint of a deceased squirrel rather than a deceased rat. Mm. But it became famous and the rat hole um, marks the sidewalk. And they say they had to, people say they have to just make a pilgrimage to see this rat hole. It has now been, this image has been viewed more than 4 million times. And people that are now visiting are dropping coins into the rat hole. I don't know if, if visitors or the residents come like clean out the coins or what. But yeah, people drop coins into it now just to say they've been there. And I don't know if they make a wish on a dead rat body or what. So yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's morbid, but also it's funny what the internet will do. People you know? will go see the weirdest things. Yeah, it's kind of a social thing, you know. People yeah. just uh, have this idea of what's uh, what's the the what's the in thing, right? What's the mm -hmm. funny thing that you want to do at the moment? Um, speaking of weird, mm -hmm. speaking of funny, Kim Jong Un has hired a mystery glam influencer to lure foreign tourists to Hermit State on Instagram, despite. A total ban of social media in North Korea. Well, that's, that's right. weird. Yeah. This influencer has been slammed online over her decision to relocate to the country. Uh, she uh, He hired this mystery glamorous influencer to promote, to promote a ghostly North Korean ski resort on her Instagram. The move is a strange one given the strict social media ban in place in North Korea. However, the dictator is renowned for his erratic nature. Where um, was she from? That's a good question, and we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's John's way of saying, I haven't read that far ahead. An influencer only known as Victoria, uh, with a K, V-I-K, Toria. Mm -hmm. Victoria is being used to promote this ski resort. Um, she's a Russian bombshell. I was going to say right. Russian. She looks Russian. She has faced a barrage of criticism since relocating to the despotic state. She regularly appears online, which she has led to claims that she's linked to the Russian embassy in Pyongyang. It comes as Vladimir Putin has been encouraging Russians to take vacations to North Korea <laughs> as a thank you for supplying missiles and shells for his war against Ukraine. What do you get the country? What do you get the dictator 
that uh, it has everything know, it has everything and it's given you weapons um a 23 year old model posts uh show a deserted Ma- Maserong resort where she took skiing lessons in english she should worry that once she's in that country they won't let her back out yeah i would worry that I north thinking. korean people are absent in the promotion i don't think they can afford <laughs> to go skiing um unless it's like by accident she could only have uh, had the resort to herself with the close approval of Kim Jong-un's authorities and under the watch- watchful eyes of state minders who are not shown. One comment said, if you really moved to North Korea, the first thing they would do would take away your damn phone. What the hell? The Internet in North Korea? You must be the only blogger in North Korea, people posted. Um, someone else said, without official approval, she would be jailed for 50 years of hard labor. I don't quite understand how this is possible. As far as I know, foreigners do not have the opportunity to come for permanent residence. Um, some Russians fear the sanitized promotion is aimed at adapting them to life in a tr- truly totalitarian state, which yeah. is more autocratic than Putin's country. Yeah. So, woohoo. Okay. Instagram. Okay. Um, let's talk about this. Oopsies on the Emmys. Okay. Emmy so oopsies. the Emmys are tonight, but there were um, some Emmys passed out for on-air talent for college game day and they weren't supposed to get them so game day won sports emmys for best studio show they won it in 2010 in 2011 and then every year from 2014 to 2018 but on-air talent was not eligible to receive this specific emmy award until 2023 this is the rules of the emmy awarding national academy of television arts uh, and sciences so ESPN decides mm, we want our on-air talent to have to be part of the team and to have these Emmys. So they skirted the rules. They added fake associate producers to the game day credit list. And then once they got the awards, they changed the engravings and passed the statuettes to the famous people that were on the air instead of just the producers of the show. Um, these people are Kurt... Herb Street, Lee Corso, Chris Fowler, Desmond Howard, and Samantha Ponder, among the on-air game day stars who received Emmys through this scheme, no evidence they knew about the rules or the plot um, for the, Stop the steal. rules. <laughs> exactly. But they were caught. ESPN had to return 37 Emmys at least because they did this. Wow. Mm-hmm. So they're using fake names... Yeah, and then big producer names, and then they would get the Emmys because they I mean they actually won, right? So the show would would win. But there's a it, limited number of on-air people, right? Because they're competing have, against you others. can't have on-air people. You could only have the producers and whatnot to be eligible to get the Emmy. The, the on-air folks was right. right, and so because in I order to get around like it, there's only a certain number of people who could get the on-air Emmy, right? And they're they're the the competition. I imagine is more stiff. Right, different, the networks. Whole different thing. But because the show won, they wanted everyone to have one. So they invented right. fake names and then they changed the names when they got there on the engraving. Right, so that they could and they gave them, them to everybody. Right. Yeah. Oh, the fake associate producer names were easily identifiable changes to prominent names. Um, 
Well, that's your first mistake. Mm-hmm. The NATAS, the National Academy of Television Art and Sciences, identified a number of fictitious credits submitted by ESPN to multiple sports Emmys competitions. When brought to the attention of ESPN senior management, the network took the steps to take the responsibility for the actions of its personnel. And that means they had to take away the Emmys from the people that shouldn't have had them in the first place, pack them up, send them back, that's it. Al Anonymous mm-hmm. says ESPN owned by Disney. Not surprised at all. Oh, mm. boy. Well, the rules were changed in 2023 to allow the host to receive the Emmys for overall wins by a show as well. Gotcha. So now they can get them, but before they couldn't. Yeah. So busted. Yeah, they should have some kind of penalty for that, I think. I They did. Like, they had to get the awards, get, you know. No, I mean, they up. should have some kind of like a we'll wrap station, them and send them back. S- station punishment. Like you're not um, eligible to compete in this category. For, yeah, you're like left years. out for a while or something. I don't know. You're you're brutal, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, John don't like so, cheaters. No, cheater. <laughs> yeah, I come from the Thompson School. It's one of the it was one of those Emmys for like Marv Flompkins, Flompson, Mar Marv Flompson. <laughs> no. Um, uniqueness. Our fingerprints may not be unique after all. <gasps> Wait, what? I thought that our fingerprints, what? everybody had different fingerprints. No no two, were, no one else had the same one as you. That was the idea, but Uh-oh. there is a belief that each fingerprint on one's, one person's hand is completely unique. But now it's being challenged by research from Columbia University. A team at the U- U.S. University trained a, what kind of tool do you think this is? AI. AI to examine mm. 60,000 fingerprints to see if it could work out which ones belong to the same individual. The researchers claim the technology could identify with 75 to 90% accuracy whether prints from different fingers came from one person, but they're not sure how it works. We don't know how the AI does it. This is a creepy thing about AI. Um, <laughs> admitted the uh, professor, a roboticist at Columbia University who supervised the study. The researchers think... The AI tool is analyzing the fingerprints in a different way to our traditional methods, focusing on the orientation of the ridges in the center of the finger rather than the way which the individual ridges end and fork, which is known as a minutia. Uh, it is clear that it isn't using traditional markers that forensics have been using for decades. It seems like it has been using something like the curvature and the angle of the swirls in the center. Um, professor here in the university said both he and an undergraduate student were both surprised by the outcome. We were very skeptical. We had to check and double check. Um, that may not be news to others in the field. Uh, professor of Forensic Science at Hall University said the idea of unique fingerprints has never been set in stone. We don't actually know that fingerprints are unique. All we can say is that as far as we're aware, no two people have yet to demonstrate the same fingerprints. Um, the results of the Columbia University study could have potential, uh, have the potential to impact both biometrics using one particular finger to unlock a device or provide an identification and forensic science. If, for example, an unidentified thumbprint is found at a crime scene, crime scene A, and an unidentified index finger is found at crime scene B, the two could not currently be forensically connected to the same person. But the AI tool could be able to identify this. The Columbia University team, none of whom have forensic backgrounds, admitted that more research needs to be done. I'll say, I mean, that could affect a lot of criminal cases and other things right yeah we've never seen anything like this before just say that you know what i've never seen this big gooey sugary glop of is that like a mat gummy bear like a rug because i'm a gummy bear yep it's a massive gummy bear mosaic oh it's made of 
individual gummy bears? Uh, it's create. It's broken a world record in Wisconsin. Haribo is behind this. They broke a Guinness World Record when they used gold gummy candies, gold bear gummy candies, to create this 353.1 square foot mosaic of the company's mascot. Yeah, they used candy to create the mascot. The company used about 150,000 gummy bears to create the image of its mascot, Gold Bear, and they did it in the gym at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. It took them about four hours. 300 Haribo employees participated in building this. They were accompanied by their friends, their family members, and members of the Boys and Girls Club of Kenosha and other local residents as well. The finished mosaic was checked by a Guinness World's Record adjudicator and confirmed it is indeed the world's largest jelly gummy candy mosaic. And so a world record has been set. Their quote is, we hope this larger than life mosaic brings smiles to our fans' faces and encourages them to continue to show their creativity through How I Haribo. It's a contest they have going on in 2024. So I like that they have the mascot there. Yeah, he's partying it up. Yeah. Everyone's happy. They're German. They're German. Be like, I'll just take one of these and one of these. Oh, you can't eat the mosaic? Okay. Yeah, you, have you ever tried like not to eat the entire package of of gummy bears? Of gummy bears or gummy? I think it's easier to accidentally eat the whole bag if it's like gummy worms. I'm not a fan of gummy of candies, although I I do like a gummy bear. Sometimes I like a gummy bear. Yeah, as long as they're not stale. Yeah, nobody wants a stale gummy bear. Mm. Um, Google and Bing put non consensual deep fake porn. At the top of some search results, Google and other search engines include non-consensual deep fake porn in their top ah. image search results, alongside tools that advertise the ability to create such material. Oh, goodness. Deep fake pornography often grafts a person's face onto real porn. For example, a famous woman's face will be swapped with an older adult's uh, star's face, making it appear that the famous woman is nude or engaged in a sexual act. Mm. NBC News... Uh, found that deep fake porn images featuring the likenesses of female celebrities were the first images Google and other top search engines surfaced in searches for many women's names and the word deep fake, as well as general terms like deep fake porn or fake nudes. The searches were conducted with safe search tools turned off. Legal experts, advocates, and victims say non-consensual deep fake porn has grown into a crisis, and we're asking tech platforms to step up where laws and law enforcement have yet to take action. A growing number of states have enacted or introduced laws to govern the use of deepfakes, particularly in elections, but non-consensual deepfake porn has only continued to spread. So NBC searched the combination of a name and the word deepfake with 36 popular female celebrities on Google and on Bing. A review of those results found non-consensual deepfake images and links to deepfake videos mm -hmm. in the top Google results for 34 of those 36 and the top uh, 35 for Bing. More than half of the top results were links to popular deepfake websites or a competitor. The popular deepfake website um, has cultivated a market for non-consensual deepfake porn of celebrities and private fakes, uh, private f uh, figures. So, uh, the internet, AI, deepfakes, what's real? Do you even know? No, I'm at a loss. I'm confused. I could tell you what 
Israel, we have this, apparently we have this gene in us that may have protect, protected us 5,000 years ago, but we don't need it anymore because now it's linked to a very debilitating modern disease. Mm. Mm. Scientists are working on compiling the largest database of ancient DNA based on the bones and the teeth of almost 5,000 humans. These are people that lived across Western Europe and parts of Central Asia 34,000 years ago until medieval times. So they check all this genetic information out, and it suggests that these genes may have once protected prehistoric hunter-gatherers or Bronze, Bronze Age herders from harmful pathogens. But today... It actually increases our risk of neurodegenerative diseases like MS and Alzheimer's, especially if you're a, Europe a person of European descent. This five-year project involving a team of 175 experts from around the world um, combined previously known ancient genomes with freshly sequenced DNA from hundreds of skeletal specimens sourced from museums and other institutions across Europe. Together, they say they have the world's largest ancient gene bank. So they were able to use this database to chart the spread of genes and diseases over time as populations migrated and interbred. And so then they could look at how specific and dramatic changes in environment, uh, shift in lifestyle from maybe hunter-gatherer to farming, how that all played a role. By comparing the ancient DNA with the modern-day samples, researchers gained a new biological understanding of debilitating disorders and physical traits in the present day. The initial results from the project were published in four papers in the scientific journal Nature. Uh, what's remarkable, they, they say, is that we can actually see what happened in the past. We can see what are the genetic variants they change in frequency in the past due to natural selection. And that allows us this very, very fine-grained picture, this according to a UC Berkeley researcher um, who helped spearhead this project. So it's interesting how Bronze Age herders are linked to MS. Fascinating. Yeah, Lori says, sure, like sickle cell shape for red blood cells protects from malaria. Yeah. I, I mean, would like to have that business card, though. John Daly, Bronze Age Herder. <laughs> no, you can't be a Bronze Age Herder. Well, that would be kind of cool. I though. forbid it. Mm -mm. Oh, okay. Uh, it would be kind of tough out there. Uh, this next story is kind of interesting. Uh, discarded Christmas trees. We're back to Sweden. Mm -hmm. is a gift to Stockholm's fish. On a freezing morning, dozens of discarded Christmas trees collected after the holidays are tossed into Stockholm's glacial waters, recycled to provide a welcoming habitat for marine life. Um, this initiative, started by a National Sport Fishing Association, Sportsfikarna, in 2016 <laughs> to help restore the endangered ecosystem, has been hailed by environmentalists. At, all the trees collected are from retailers who buy evergreens that have not been sprayed with pesticides. So these are like clean trees. Uh, just days ago, the majestic Norway spruces held a pride of, uh, of place in cozy homes across Stockholm. Now, the tinsel and ornaments are being replaced by heavy rocks before the trees are thrown off a boat into the waters of the uh, Hammerby Sustad industrial zone. Around here, there's been a lot of construction, a lot of boats going in and out. Um, who heads the project? Uh, his name is Mo Malin. 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 
there's not a lot of vegetation and those are um and these are really important habitats for fish to spawn and it's they've disappeared so it's really hard to get the habitat back naturally so there's uh this is a way of substituting what's been lost in this area since 2016 more than 1,000 trees collected after christmas have been dropped in different spots um yeah so that's pretty cool yeah, I love finding a way to be have you know what otherwise would be garbage become useful. That's fantastic. Yeah, and you can have uh, less guilt about killing a tree. It's fantastic. <laughs> Did you know the moon is in its new epoch? It just entered a or new epoch. epoch. Or if you're Mark Thompson, epoch. <laughs> the moon is in a new epoch for thousands of years. Uh, yes, it remained uh, out of reach, but on. September 13th of 1959, when the former Soviet Union's uh, Luna 2 landed on the moon's surface, then it became within our reach here. The Lunar 2 probe created a crater when it touched down on the moon between the lunar regions of Mare Ibrium and Mare Sereniatis. You know where that is. (laughs) Yes, I do know where that is. That's where the Whole Foods is on the moon. They have really great cheese. I heard, yes, I heard really, really good, yeah. So this pivotal lunar dust-stirring moment signaled the beginning of humanity's endeavors to uh, explore the moon. Some scientists now suggest it was also the start of a new geological epoch or period of time or time in history called the Lunar Anthropocene. So, right, the time when the people came to the moon. This is all in the journal Geoscience from December. The idea is a lot, uh, much the same, uh, that didn't make sense. A lot much the same. The idea Welcome is much, to my world, Kim. much the same. Yeah. What happened to me? As the discussion of the Anthropocene on Earth, the exploration of how much humans have impacted our planet. Curious about the planet. The consensus in the <laughs> is on the Earth that the Anthropocene began at some point in the past, whether hundreds of thousands of years ago or in the 1950s. Similarly, on the Moon, the lunar Anthropocene, say the scientists, already has commenced, but they want to prevent massive damage or delay of its recognition until we can measure a significant lunar halo caused by human activities, and then it would be too late. They have scientists tried for years to declare a definitive Anthropocene on Earth and recently presented new evidence of a site in Canada that some researchers believe marks the start of the transformative chapter in our planet's history. But the idea of this lunar Anthropocene comes at the same time when civil space agencies and commercial entities are now showing a renewed interest in returning to the moon or for some landing on it for the first time. We've talked about that a little bit and how, you know, what they're going to leave up there, that they may leave garbage or they may disrupt things and scientists are not pleased with this. And Square says, hey, a rat print. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not a rat print. What can yeah. you tell us about the Anthropocene? Kim? Yeah, you could tell us humans get the hell off, right? Well, we'll we'll get off the moon and then we will take a break. Let's and then when it. we come back, we'll do more. We'll right? do some entertainment news. We have a little um news about diarrhea. So you really want to oh. stick around for that, trust me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hey, everybody's had the fun time or another. It's coming your way soon. Yeah, we'll I didn't right see back. that coming. It's a real <laughs> party, party here today, boy. Live. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's your friend Satan. Love me or hate me, the After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. 
If you can contribute 10, 15, $20, $666, it would keep this party very, very hot and heavy. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up, isn't that the truth? The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. I know what you're thinking, why should I be tempted by the devil, but come on guys, it's not like I'm asking you for your soul. <laughs> A party where you don't even have to leave the house. You could be naked for all we care. The after party, live. I probably should come up with new characters, but both Archie and Satan are very popular. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty good wow. one. You give people what they want. Huge thank you to our new contributor, Flo G. Thank you. Whoa. Welcome aboard. Thank and you. ongoing contributors, Heather K, Susan S, Maureen Z, Donald S, Rachel C, Sarah K, and Laura W. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. We so appreciate you. Much of those, most of those names, you've been with us since the beginning. So we um, yeah. really appreciate you. Without you, we would not be doing this. An extra thank you to Flo for $5 today and an extra thank you to Cindy for the nice message as well and the $5. So the super stickers and super chats open too. Thank you for all the contributions to the show. Really appreciate thank it. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I didn't appreciate? The negativity of that show succession. I couldn't really get into it. Yeah, you kind of have like a sensibility, like you don't like to go mm. into the negative zone. That's my job, generally speaking. I watched the first couple seasons and like the more, the worse. Well, you got... always try to see the silver lining. You like always try to see the best in people. And this show is like. It brought is, me it, down. Yeah. Like this show like defeated your system of like seeing the totally. best in people. It was like, I can't anymore. I can't. Yeah. Um, it's very popular. I liked it. You know, you have to suspend your disbelief. That's how you get through it. Well, just about the time you thought, is this the good person? Like, there has to be one likable well, character. Well, they're messing with you. Just about the time you thought there do might have... be one likable person, that person also becomes awful. It's like, do you have redeeming qualities? Well, maybe it's a mm -hmm. lesson. It's a lesson that money corrupts. But mm -hmm. Secession, uh, Secession star Sarah Snook, one, uh, one of his daughters here, uh, or his only daughter, mm -hmm. says a film producer told her, what do you think? Uh, do you know the answer? Do you already look? I did. And I'm uh, the very producer depressed. told her to stop eating cake. It's so rude because she's, <clears throat> I mean, perfect the way she is. Yeah. They geez. thought she was chunky or something. Well, and I know she got, she was pregnant towards the end, I think, oh. uh, in the series, but, um, or somewhere in there. But the Emmy nominee uh, recalls being mistreated on set by a movie producer in this day and age. Like, you know, people being canceled and called out for all their bad behavior. Mm -hmm. um, in front of the cast and crew, she said, all while I was dying inside. Uh, Sarah Snook says a movie producer once chastised her for eating cake and uh, casting director once called her a nobody. Wow. Wow. The acclaimed Emmy-nominated HBO star described the cruel mistreatment during a new interview in Sunday's The Times UK. Snook recalled after getting a film role, which she did not name, its casting director told her, we we don't really want you because you're a nobody, but the director and the writer think you're good for the role. So what we'll do is change all of you so that you're marketable. We'll whiten your teeth. We'll darken your hair. We'll give you a personal trainer so you can lose some weight and look the part. Wow. The Australian actress said she agreed to everything, figuring in order for me to be successful, I have to be all the things, I have to be all the things that aren't me. Uh, the interviewer said uh, anger edges into her tone and that Snook looks furious when recalling the following. 
And then one particular day, I had the tiniest bit of chocolate cake. She said that a producer chastised her for the cake in front of the cast and crew, and then a costume designer intervened and encouraged her to keep eating it anyway, all while she was dying inside. The infantilizing of women to not be able to make their own decisions. Why would we do that to women, she said. Um, she asked. Last week, Snook won her second Golden Globe for her role as Shiv Roy in Succession and is nominated for an Emmy at Monday's prime uh, primetime ceremony. Um, Snook was promoting her West End one-woman production of Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. The show incredibly has Snook playing all 26 parts. She concluded by recalling a podcast she heard that proclaimed the secret to happiness. It really rang true for me. What's the secret to happiness? What is it? We all want to know, right? And it all boiled down to three words. Other people matter. Yep. She's very beautiful. I don't understand how you... I guess they just wanted her to be, what, rail thin? And I think it's just common in, um, you know, the media, especially Hollywood. I mean, you can talk to Mark. I'm sure he could yeah. <laughs> vouch for all these these claims that, like, it's just a cruel world. They, You know, casting directors, people say, like, you just have to be ready for rejection, right? Just They're yeah. just very practical, uh, you know, business-oriented, money-oriented right. people with a lot of experience, and they, quote, know what works or what has worked, right? So they're just going to cut to the chase and be like, that doesn't sell. This sells. This is what works. That's not what works. And it's like you have to turn off your feelings. Mm. Right? Well, you would think, though, that once they cast you for the show, that you would be what they wanted and you would be there would be a positive attitude around set that, you know, as long as you don't get chunk dunk encouraging and supportive. I guess not. Wow. Yeah. Well, here's a more positive story. Harrison Ford at the Critics' Choice Award over the weekend took the Career Achievement Award. He deserved the, it. The what word? The it what award? Is the Career Achievement Award. Oh, okay. Yeah. I say he qualifies. The 2024 Critics' Choice Award, immortalizing Harrison Ford's action-packed legacy with a Career Achievement Award on Sunday night. He's 81 now. Wow. He accepted this award, got a standing ovation from the room. They showed a video compilation of all of his biggest film successes. And he says, here's his, his speech. First of all, I'm really happy to be here tonight to see what our business is turning into and all of the talented people who are getting opportunities that probably wouldn't have existed in the early part of my career. So he's talking about diversity and changes, right? He said, I'm here because of a combination of luck and the work of wonderful writers, directors, and filmmakers. So even at a, in this moment when he's being celebrated for his career, he gives credit where credit's due. Because all of these things that he's done, he couldn't have done without all these people he's thanking, right? Um, right. And he says... Uh, I'm here because, again, of a combination of luck and the work of wonderful writers, directors, and filmmakers. I feel enormously lucky. I'm happy for this honor. I appreciate it all very much. He said, I want to thank my lovely wife, Callista Flockhart, who supports me when I need a lot of, who supports me when I need a lot of support. And he said, and I need a lot of support. So it's just sweet. He said, I'm deeply happy to have the opportunities that I've had and I'm grateful and I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you very much. That's sweet. Yeah, he has also um a very gruff, like dry humor. Really mm -hmm. funny. Whenever you see him on a chat show, people are like, Oh, he looks annoyed. Like he seems angry. It's like, no, he's right. funny. Like that's yeah. his personality. I like and Harrison Ford. And if you see a clip, um, on Graham Norton's show. That's a great show anyway. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. There's like alcohol involved. Um, I'm worried about <laughs> there's alcohol involved. Um, all 
like any clip you watch, it's really funny. Like Ryan yeah. Gosling, they're all oh, they totally. let, yeah. They like let loose. Maybe it's because they're in another country, but like they yeah. they have a couple drinks and they're just kind of like shooting the the s and having I fun. I think I've never. I don't know if I've never laughed so hard, but one of my laughing very hard moments of of late was when I watched um, Benjamin. What's his name? English guy. Now I've forgotten it. How could I forget his name? The penguin. Penguin. Oh, he's trying oh. to say penguin. Yeah, it's not Benjamin. It's uh, I know who you're talking about. He can't say penguin, and he's in this like I don't know National Geographic video or something, and he he as as it goes on, he says Benedict. it all. Benedict Cumberbatch. He's thank you. He says it all these different ways. What did I say, Benjamin? Benedict. You said Benedict Benjamin, Cumberbatch. So oh my gosh, look it up, you guys. It's so funny. Can't say yeah. Cumberbatch. Can't say penguin. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about diarrhea Woo-hoo! oh yeah oh yeah this is actually my story i forgot about it yeah. i guess i blocked it out of my mind um <laughs> oh i found this over the weekend a woman will suffer diarrhea forever <clears throat> after ozempic caused a horror bowel injury Ooh. And weight loss drug made another vomit until her teeth fell out. Claimed dozens of lawsuits saying the maker failed to warn of its danger. A woman who will suffer diarrhea for the rest of her life after using Ozempic is among dozens of patients who are suing the maker of the blockbuster weight loss drug over its claims, over claims that it left them with crippling stomach paralysis. According to a Daily Mail investigation, Novo Nordisk, the maker of Ozempic and Wigovi, is facing lawsuits from patients across America who say they experience extreme side effects which are allegedly not warned about thousands more of patients have come forward to claim that they suffered adverse reactions to the drugs and attorneys say more could be joining the growing legal campaign mm-hmm. most of the patients claim they suffered from gastroparesis paresis gastroparesis which is the medical name for paralysis of the, of the stomach the condition which can be life-threatening causes a buildup of food in the gut Ugh. and symptoms including nausea vomiting and severe pain uh, Daily Mail reviewed more than a dozen lawsuits filed since November by patients who were diagnosed with gastroparesis uh, mm-hmm. after Ozempic, uh, using Ozempic and Wegovy, including some who suffered life-threatening bowel injuries and faced oh, long, lifelong consequences. In all the lawsuits, Novo Nordisk is accused of failing to properly warn the, the of the risks on the drug's packaging. Yikes. Yeah. I wonder what the percentage is of people who have that type of side effect. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, well, now that we know, like, you know, thousands and thousands of people. They're actually advertising it on TV now. Like one of the, I think it's Roman, one of the um, those websites that was trying to make it easier for guys to get like ED medication and uh, and hair loss medication. It's kind of like, you know, skip skip your traditional doctor and get it faster through our doctor kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, they're now uh, uh, selling this, but they're not calling it Ozempic. They're calling it like by its uh, scientific name, like the G, G1L or whatever it's mm-hmm. called, um, drugs. Yeah, I don't know, you know, as more people take it, you know, this is going to be kind of a big study, right? You're yeah. going to find out thousands and thousands I of people, hundreds of thousands of people taking it. I think people saw Sharon Osbourne take it and have weight loss success. And then they saw yeah. Oprah take it. And right. Oprah, like, looks amazing. And they saw her have this weight loss success. And so they think, well, if it worked for them, it can work for me. Right. But you don't realize that maybe it's not all sunshine and roses. There, Ask your you Oprah know? if Ozempic is right for you. Exactly. <laughs> okay, remember this capsule? This is the capsule Wait. that we, we went up to an asteroid, Bennu. 
right? And we gathered rocks and dust and debris. And Didn't they already open it up? In this capsule. No, they couldn't get it open. They could Wait, not... was there more than one capsule? Because I remember, I thought they opened something. I don't know. They couldn't get it open. So on September 24th last year, the agency got about two and a half ounces of rocks and dust collected from a 4.5 billion year old near-Earth asteroid named Bennu, right? It was dropped off by OSIRIS-REx in the Utah desert. And this is the first time the United States has a, had a mission to collect samples from an asteroid. It oh, was, some of the material was out of reach. Yeah. So this um, spacecraft traveled 1.4 billion miles from Earth to the asteroid Bennu and then back again and dropped off this asteroid dust. But NASA announced in October that some of the material was out of reach in a capsule. How about your asteroid dust? Should I just leave it here? It was inside a robotic arm with a storage container called uh. the touch-and-go sample acquisition mechanism. The asteroid samples have to be analyzed in a specialized glove box with a flow of nitrogen to prevent them from Where becoming contaminated. Where do you leave the space dust? Oh, it's in, it's in the glove box. It's in the glove mm. box. According to NASA, 35 fasteners were holding the sampler shut, and two of the fasteners were too difficult to open with any of the pre-approved ways to access the container containers of such precious precious my precious samples they initially managed to collect some of the black dust and debris from the uh the head of it when the aluminum head was first removed and that they could access some of the materials from inside the canister with tweezers or a scoop but the mylar flap on the thing that the head of the thing was held down to mm -hmm. pry open the stuck fasteners. They had to develop new materials and specialized tools that minimize the risk of the precious space rock samples being damaged or contaminated. That meant uh, building bits from space uh, grade surgical non-magnetic steel, which is apparently the hardest metal approved for use in the container's pristine glove box. These techniques enable the team to finally, after all this time, open the stuck sampler. So now they can get into it and they have it and they can test it and do what they need to do. So just telling you, it took a long time. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of strange. Um, well, they'll figure it out. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, closer to home. What's that? U.S. tech companies. This is a drone. Oh. Uh, a little artsy photo of a drone. Like U.S. It. tech companies prepare for potential drone attacks as international strikes spark concern. U.S. tech company, companies and government agencies are racing to develop uh, defenses against potential terrorist drone attacks, a threat that has security experts increasingly concerned as they've watched the rise of drone warfare in Israel, Ukraine, and Yemen. Since October 7th, Israel and Hamas have used drones against each other in Gaza, including a video released by Hamas appearing to show a small drone dropping an explosive on a squad of uh, Israeli soldiers. Yemen's Houthi rebels have used swarms of drones to target shipping on the Red Sea, launching at least 21 in one attack this month. And for months, Russia and Ukraine have been launching coordinated mass drone attacks at each other with one Russian swarm in November out, uh, numbering 75 drones. So the drones are used in the attacks. Um, they're they're like small remote controlled aircraft among hobbyists usually right they're being mm -hmm. but they're being outfitted with small explosives to be dropped on a target or simply crashing into the target as well, kind of a scary. self detonating one way drone now dozens of tech companies are working on systems to thwart 
possible drone attacks, including within the United States, where civilian sites might potentially be targeted, according to academics and industry analysts. The fact that we haven't had any serious domestic incidents is a blessing and really comes as a surprise due to the potential impact, according to an engineering professor at Oklahoma State. Uh, products in development in the drone defense sector range from communications jamming equipment to guns that shoot rapidly, expanding nets like a like a spidey web, um, all the way to experimental lasers, um, space lasers. Some of these products are quietly going through testing, sponsored by the Department of Homeland Security at remote sites in Oklahoma and North Dakota, and analysts expect demand to grow rapidly with potential customers, including police departments, airports, and sports stadiums. Yeah, just stop to think, like, of all the places that could be attacked with drones and you wouldn't see it coming right until it was too yeah. late. That's really yeah. scary. Um, the companies working on drone countermeasures range from de major defense contractors such as Raytheon and Lockheed Martin to tech startups producing GPS spoofers that convince a drone it's somewhere else. Other products rely on concentrated microwave bursts to fry a drone's electronics. Uh, that sounds like it has potential or hacking tools to take over the drone's operation. There's at least 100 companies actively working on this problem. Wow. They yeah. need to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. You know what they're working on here in Sonoma County? They're Drums? working. No, this is a coalition of animal welfare activists, <laughs> animal sanctuaries, anti-toxin advocates, and some small poultry farms. They're collecting signatures to put a resolution on the November ballot called the Prohibition on Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. Basically, they're trying, oh, to, out, they're trying to outlaw factory farms, right? Yeah, uh, okay. And so they needed a little more than 19, almost 20,000 signatures to qualify for the ballot. They say they have 26,000 signatures. And so they still have to be checked by the county registrar. When they said when they talk to voters, they're shocked to hear that there are farms confining hundreds of thousands of animals, many in terrible conditions in their own county. And they worry that small family farms can't compete with these big industrial farms. Now, there are people that say, wait a minute, this isn't true, that there's it's in the eye of the beholder. What you call a factory farm I call a family farm. So it might not, you know, there might be a discrepancy in what the size of the farm is or how many animals. I might know that farmer and I might know that farmer's family and I might know that they do it right and not call it a factory farm. But um, whether it's a step toward eliminating agriculture or whether it's a step toward eliminating factory farms, it's going on in Sonoma County. And it might be one of these things where if it happens here, then it starts to spread. Because I think a lot of people are looking at factory farming and thinking, this isn't how I want my food, right? Better that spread than the avian flu, which is being caused by these kill, practices. Like, what, 100,000 birds in Sonoma County because yeah. of this? I'm okay yeah. with my tax. I'm, I would even in, like be okay with a tax increase if it meant that there were inspectors checking on the animals mm -hmm. at all times. The resolution includes medium and large size operations. So it would apply to facilities with more than 200 dairy cattle, 150 horses, 
3,000 sheep or 16,500 turkeys if they are discharging directly into local water sources. The size of a permitted chicken farm would depend on whether it employs a liquid manure system, 9,000 birds, or a non-liquid system, 25,000. Uh, bring in the Ozempic if you want the liquid system. Ugh, for laying the hens, 37,000 for broiler birds. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to keep my eye on this. I think this is very interesting, this whole anti-factory farming bill. Yeah. Yeah. We like our animals. We right? do. We also like our county and our agriculture in Sonoma County. So, you know, we'll see what how this how this all shakes out. Yeah. Um, speaking of people doing weird things, um, I would say fraudulent things. A singular San Francisco restaurant. We bring you random stories here. Mm -hmm. A singular San Francisco restaurant appears to be operating under at least 70 different business names on food delivery apps, such as DoorDash. What? According to Reddit posts, uh, the staggering number of storefronts listed under the same Polk Street address was later confirmed by Hoodline, uh, which is like a neighborhood uh, uh, blogging website. The restaurant is Pizza, uh, I'm sorry, Fresco Pizza, Shawarma and Ice Cream. We're already at a lot in that night. That night right? <laughs> fresco, fresco pizza, shawarma, and ice cream uh, at 1338 Polk Street. Or at least that's what the name says on its website. And uh, close to what's printed on the awning of its brick and mortar store, its website has an extensive menu including pizza, salads, calzones, pastas, sandwiches, shawarma, falafel, burgers, and desserts. According to its Yelp page, the restaurant was established in 2010. Hoodline found that a large variety of search queries calzone vegan burger breakfast burrito pasta and falafel to list a few conducted on door DoorDash uh, uh on a san francisco phone turned up storefronts associated with the 1338 polk address hoodline ended up finding 72 different DoorDash storefronts listed with the same address the names ranged from alfredo's parmigiana house to big daddy's wings <laughs> to cake slice company to godfather's gluten-free pizzeria to mr vegan's falafel and wow. this one's for you, Kim. You're going to love this. The pasta slut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll have a fettuccine Alfredo from the pasta slut to go. But make it wow. slutty. A Google so search by SFGate found that uh, that many of the 1338 Polk Street storefronts are listed on Uber Eats, Grubhub, and Postmates as well. SFGate could not reach Fresca, uh, Fresco Pizza. You know why? They're busy. They're very busy. They're bu they have a lot of food to make. This practice is not unheard fake of. Restaurants? Well, fake names, like fake yeah. uh, channels to sell things. Uh, this practice is not unheard of, though. It's frowned upon. In 2022, an independent article detailed the practice of major chains selling their food under different names on different delivery apps, leaving customers who thought they were ordering from a small business feeling duped. Yeah, I remember this. One customer yeah. in the story, for example, said he ordered delivery from a restaurant called It's Just Wings only to find them uh, arriving in a box from chain restaurant Chili's Grill and Bar. Uh, he said, I hate Chili's. I know Chili's wings are awful. I would never knowingly order from Chili's. Daniel Stamps told The Independent. To me, it's clearly deceptive and a disgusting mm -hmm. business uh, practice. Yeah, um, Uber Eats announced uh, in March of last year that it was cracking down on an explosion of virtual restaurants. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, Uber Eats told the journal they plan to remove 5,000 online storefronts, including one unnamed San Francisco-based Pakistani restaurant that duplicated its menu 20 times. Wow. That's a sh I mean, I don't know why I'm so surprised, but I guess I just didn't think about it. Money hungry. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
Um, okay, I think we have time for this one. This is a story um, about funny road signs. Yeah. yeah. Hey, no more funny road signs. Buckle up. What does it say? Windshields, Windshields hurt. 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 <laughs> exactly. They do hurt. Well, these humorous and quirky messages on electronic signs will soon disappear from the highways and the freeways all across the country. The U.S. Federal Highway Administration has given states two years to implement these new rules outlined in an 1,100-page manual released last month. And according to the rules, it spells out how the signs and other traffic control devices can be regulated. Administration officials said... Overhead electronic signs with obscure meanings, references to pop culture, um, those intended to be funny, all banned in 2026 because they can be misunderstood and because they can be distracting to drivers. This agency is part of the U.S. Department of Transportation. They say the sign should be simple, direct, brief legible and clear and only used for important information like warnings of drivers of crashes up ahead adverse yeah. weather conditions well, when they were designed delays. and they were implemented yeah. and proposed it was for emergency use traffic mm -hmm. and emergencies mm -hmm. and even sonoma county driving up 101 every once in a while it'll be kind of yeah. like a psa right you know no you're you're distracting from driving that's dangerous yeah. it's true they do put the amber alerts on there yeah well, which that's what I it's for for urgent Emergency, emergency information not mm -hmm. for like a uh, an ad campaign you know as as good as it is the police yeah. have some anti-drug thing or whatever but they should not be putting yeah. uh you know advertising well, they for, say uh, you can put seatbelt reminders you can do that you can do warnings about the dangers of speeding you right. can do warnings about driving well, that's impaired. Safety, safety related that's right it's true but if it's not relevant to the driving experience and safety on the road i don't think it should be yeah. up there among those messages that will be disappearing one use Yablinka B L I N K A H in Massachusetts. Use Yablinka. Visiting in laws, slow down, get there late from Ohio. Don't drive Star Spangled Hammered from Pennsylvania. Hocus Pocus, drive with focus from New Jersey. And hands on the wheel, not your meal from Arizona. Can't no, say that. Arizona has more than 300 electric signs above its highways. And for the last seven years, they've had a contest to find the funniest and most creative messages. Can't do that anymore. No funny stuff. Take the humor out of it all. Mm. Um, and so I guess there are some states that are upset about this, that they, they like the humor in it, but they're like, that's not what this is for. We don't want that. So, yeah. Federal rules. Thank you, Doug Koch, for the $5 super sticker. Doug Koch coming in at the last minute with a oh, $5 nice super sticker. Thank you so much. I love it. We appreciate it. I think we, that's that's our show. Um, is it party although, over? Yeah, I did see a message I wanted to highlight. Uh, oh. Deidre says, breaking news, Cal State Humboldt and all CSUs. Teachers striking next week. Classes yeah. canceled. My kid is happy. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about that. They're doing it. A Sacramento State University is. Right. And I, other CSUs around are going to be on strike. Yeah. It's 23 campuses now. But they're not, they weren't going to call off the classes. They were going to have, um, if the teacher walked out, it was going to be on a class-by-class -class basis or something like that. So, Well, if what all the teachers walk out, then yeah, class-by-class, class, they're not going to be there. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. They were saying in some cases, maybe they have work to do, or maybe somebody else is going to teach the class. I don't know. <laughs> some random person. Administrator. Yeah, some well, random. stand by. We'll uh, have updates for that uh, as it uh, <laughs> As the uh, the story develops, as they say, right? That's right. We All want right. To our new contributor, Flo G. Right. Very generous today, Flo. We appreciate it. Ongoing contributors, Heather K, Susan S, Maureen Z, Donald S, Rachel C, Sarah K, Laura W. Thank you so much. We're fighting each other. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> thank you for the $5 super sticker and the nice message. Cindy, thank you for the nice message and the $5 super sticker. Doug, thank you for the super sticker. And you guys are amazing. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back here doing this again tomorrow. We hope you will join us as well. Have a great day and stay warm out there. Have a good Monday afternoon, John Daly, and happy MLK Junior Day. Happy MLK Junior Day. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.